Hey everyone, welcome to season seven of the show. We used to be called Unlearning Youth Group, but today is our first ever episode under our new name, Tension. We're a podcast that acknowledges that most of life and faith is lived in tension between the two extremes. On this show, we're going to take a look at what many of us were taught growing up in evangelical churches. We're going to weigh that against what our current culture is saying, and then we're going to try to find what Jesus has for us in the tension between the two. We have met. My name is Jonathan Curl, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, you know, this is a, a can we put ourselves on the le- level of like Prince? Do you remember Prince like went from like Prince to the artist formerly known We're not as going Prince, by just a symbol, though. To just the symbol. And then like, wasn't it like a Puff Daddy thing, too? Or it was like Puff Daddy and then Sean Puffy Combs and P. Diddy and then. And then Diddy. Is that, and then Diddy. And then I don't know. Does he have a symbol or something? If we change our name again, we're going to be done. It's yeah, kind of where so. it's kind of where I think about it. if we if we figure out a third way to do this, we're just going to be done. Yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, but I think it more aligns with uh, with the direction that we we need to go. You know, because I, I I think for the longtime listeners, you know, unlearning youth group that was that became a little bit more insider language as opposed to you know because I would have people telling me about oh yeah, you, you, Eric is doing that youth group podcast. Like no, it's not really a youth group podcast. It's more about some of the issues that we struggle with with faith and so it was just kind of a natural transition anyway yep we can only talk about unlearning for so long and plus it limited who we talk about this in the episode where we told you guys we were changing the show name but that name just limited us to who would listen so hopefully uh if this is your first time listening to us because the old name didn't make sense but the new name you're interested in hey welcome to the show uh hopefully you will enjoy it and go back and listen to the old stuff if you do but today uh, we are kicking off well before we do hold on hold on I think this might be a, a new record for the earliest that we mentioned this, but to go along with the name, as you know, as marketers, as Jonathan and I are, you know, <laughs> it creates that additional confusion. And that's why there's this need to be very obvious with certain things so that way people don't assume something wrong. And I think that transitions very well to the conversation that we're having today, whereas these names and these labels and the stuff that all of a sudden you say it and it immediately has a different meaning in in the minds of others and we've talked about it from past seasons when you say things like crt or woke or i don't know some of these other even purity culture those sorts of things have a different connotation based on your previously held beliefs and biases so uh i'll give you the the good solid setup for uh for you jonathan to talk about this week's uh, topic thanks thanks for the, the fastball down the middle uh to to do the the housekeeping Today we're kicking off a new season, and our new format is a little different than what we've done before. For our new format, we're going to briefly look at and give a quick overview of each side of the tension we're talking about every single week. But most weeks, we're going to spend most of our time talking about how we live in the tension between the two. And Today's topic is the tension between deconstruction and deconversion, because as we mentioned at the end of last season, there is a deconstruction to deconversion pipeline. And we want you to deconstruct or unlearn parts of your faith that are not healthy or took on a life on their own in evangelical spaces, but we don't want you to deconvert. So today we're going to spend time, we'll talk a little bit about what deconstruction is, where that's led to with deconversion. And then at the end, we're going to spend most of our time talking about how we live in the tension between the two. But before at least that's we the get plan. Started. But if you've heard this before, <laughs> I mean, that's the plan. 
who knows what we're going to talk about. You know, there might be a soapbox. There might be a Jerry Falwell Jr. story. There might be a crazy Liberty thing. We might bring friend of the show or, you know, friend of the podcast, Mark Driscoll on. Who knows? If you are a longtime listener, uh, you, you will know what to expect when I say this. There you go. I wrote the outline this week. Eric put in no notes. So no this notes. is a no notes, ten, Eric. We, so ten out of we ten. Have, I have no clue what Eric is going to say. I know where I'm going yeah. to try to drive yeah. the show. Yeah. But I don't know where Eric is going to take the show as he grabs the steering wheel and goes where he wants. Yeah. So and I would say if you're a first time listener, but you're a long time, <laughs> you know, friend or acquaintance of Eric, you also know what to expect at this point. Okay, let's go. I'm ready. All right, let's kick off with deconstruction because we need to define our terms and let you know what we're talking about so that we're all on the same page moving forward. We did do two episodes on deconstruction back in season three. If you want a more in-depth look at the idea of deconstruction and what our perspective is on that. But the idea of deconstruction comes from a book by, I want to butcher this name, but Jacques Derrida in 1967 called Of Grammatology. When explaining the idea of deconstruction outside of the book, he was quoted saying, that is what deconstruction is made of. Not the mixture, but the tension between memory, fidelity, the preservation of something that has been given to us, and at the same time, something absolutely new. And that's where deconstruction started. People asking the question, did the Bible really say that? Or, sometimes asked differently, did evangelicalism interpret this writing correctly, or was it interpreted through a lens of controlling others and asserting power? Yeah, and it's not just a religious term either. I mean, that that would be the thing. Correct. You put it put it in the mindset of like we are going to reduce everything down to its its essential parts. So if you you think about from engineering or you think about, you know, just in your logical space, what are the times when you get stuck in a situation or you get stuck in a problem or, you know, if you're a you're a car guy or if you're, you know, the opposite of me, you know, you like to work with your hands and figure out stuff. I've, I've got like dainty computer hands here as you can tell you know these are these are texting thumbs these are not mechanics thumbs if you're watching on youtube but like when you hit a problem my understanding is that like you break it down to its component parts you back up and we say okay let's go back and let's explore where how we got here let's explore some of the things that are leading up to it because maybe we added a step here um that we shouldn't have uh for instance my my oldest son super into lego like he just loves lego to the point where i say lego and not legos right he loves LEGO. i was gonna point out that you're like that i don't know if that's pretentious or mm. if i'm impressed that you're saying lego instead of legos that's how into it we are but anyway so he will follow the yeah well probably he will follow the instructions or as he calls them constructions and we'll go through the process and at some point he'll say i don't know what i'm you know like dad can you help me because i'm not sure here and what I have to do is I have to deconstruct that piece. I have to go back because he's inevitably skipped a step or he's added a step where he's put something in there wrong. And so if you're on step, you know, 68, now I'm going back and I'm 67, 66, 65, 64 until I find where we, where we were right. We, you know, maybe that was step 52 and then figure out what did we miss or what did we add in? And so what I hope is for those of you that are already like, Put, you know, you heard Jonathan say, yeah, we want you to deconstruct. And you're like, ah, I'm out of here, you know, and you're just like thumping your your Bible being your, you know, reformed self and going to go smell your tulips or something like that. You know, it's like, just come on back, come on back, listen up and realize that when we talk about deconstruction, that's what we mean is we've gone a little too far. 
You know, we got to check the GPS. We got to check the instructions. We got to come back and go, are we on the right path? Because you might end up going, yeah, we did everything right. Everything is fine. But like deconstruction is not some new terminology that's in, in religious, you know, religiously progressive circles. It's, it's a concept that you know very well and you live in your daily life. Well, and not just something went wrong, but you get to a point where you, you're like, I believe this thing, but I don't know why. Mm -hmm. So you go back and you're like, okay, I was told I'm supposed to believe this because of this, but I don't know if that actually goes together. And so yeah. you go back and you're trying to find it. And I, I did this myself. I, before people started calling it deconstruction, it was after my time on church staff. So it was almost a decade ago. I said that I was going through a time where I rethought everything I thought I knew. And I went back and I weighed many of the things that I said, I believed with what I knew I, I believed and try to see, do these things line up with each other? Or have I pulled in different pieces of culture and combined them all together? And what I found was that some beliefs were confirmed. Mm -hmm. Some beliefs flipped completely. Some beliefs I became much more open-handed on and some applications changed based off of the foundation of the belief being stronger. And it's like, Oh, I actually believe this. And if, if I believe this, that means this other thing that I have been applying it to can't jive with this. So I've got to change this thing over here. If this is what I say, I actually believe. And that was a good and healthy thing for me to go through and for me to process because we talk about making your faith your own. And I think so many of us, especially in the Bible belt, we grew up in church in the South. We were told we're supposed to believe this and we never mm -hmm. did the work to determine, do we actually believe this and why do we believe it? So when you finally get to that, especially if you're older in your thirties and forties and fifties, that's a much messier process than if you do it at a younger age and where deconstruction kind of started to gain traction was the lead up to the 2016 elections. And then it came to a crescendo during the past president and then even bigger in COVID because there was a disconnect between what many of us were taught about the Bible and the actions we saw from people a generation or two ahead of us. And so we started asking the question, like, are we supposed to be doing this? Like, is that what we're supposed to be doing? Is that what Christianity looks like? Or what does the Bible actually say? Yeah. And I think so. If we go to the analogy of a GPS or of traveling somewhere, you know, I, I live in the Southwest. There's a lot of hiking trails. We go hiking all the time, you know, and like you get on all trails or you get on the map or, or whatever. And, or if you're driving and you find yourself in a spot where all of a sudden you got to a spot where it's like, I don't recognize what's going on. And you kind of like, there's little alarm bells going like, Am I going the right way? And even if you are going the right way, sometimes you get that spot where you're like, am I, I don't recognize anything around here. You get that weird, odd sense of like, I don't know, not deja vu, but the opposite of deja vu. Like I've never seen this before. Right. Vuja day. Did we just make that up? The opposite of deja Stop. vu. Vuja. No, no. Okay. Right. just keep going. Great. Keep going. So anyway, so you get to a spot and you're like, I don't think we're going the right way. Or I don't recognize this. Let's check the map. Let's check the GPS. And I think you're right. So we get in the lead up to the election. And all of a sudden you have evangelical leaders, which we have heard for years and trusted their, their, 
uh, spiritual teachings and biblical leadership. And then all of a sudden it's like they are lockstep with a certain political party. And you're going, whoa, some people anyway, me included. I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Hold on. And I'll just be straight up. I mean, like, because I don't have a problem talking about politics. It's like, wait, how come all these people that I respected uh, that are talking about Jesus and love and everything that Jesus that represents and everything I believe about the Bible, now they're going, Donald Trump is our savior and he's going to make America great again. And I'm looking at Donald Trump and I'm going, this doesn't line up. And so there's that moment where I'm like, whoa, whoa, let me, let me check the GPS. And that's, the, that's where that deconstruction, I think, if you think about wh- where did it come from, you see those two things, you go, I don't recognize this, or I need to hit the brakes, or I need to pull over and ask for directions, or I need to check the GPS before we keep going. And then that's where that, you know, the, the big sense of deconstruction happened. But it's happened before. If you're someone that knows the name Brian McLaren, if you know Rob Bell, if you know any of those authors, uh, I would even go back as far as to say Rich, um, Rich Mullins. Mullins, yep. You know what I mean? Like, those were pieces... And, and others are going like, it was back when C.S. Lewis was talking. Yeah, like even C.S. Lewis. Like there were people that were. People have been uh, deconstructing since the cross. Yeah. And then, I mean, again, your Lutherans are going to say uh, Martin Luther was the original deconstructionist. Like, okay, keep going. Like there, there it's happened throughout history. Where this is not the, a new phenomenon. Yeah. The church gets to a point where it oversteps or it aligns with something or. I'm coming back to right. the- Yes. Okay. Eric. Side note: Isn't the isn't the point of that song the heart of worship? I I was always told that the story of that because somebody would always like say it before they sang it was like this dude said no singing for a year and then how did he how did he come out from the no singing for a year? Well, I'm gonna monetize by writing a song about coming back to the heart of worship and I'm gonna use the song about you. It's all about you, but buy my CD, buy WoW <laughs> 3, Jesus. It's probably on WoW or I Worship 2. You guys remember that? I Worship and WoW. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. WoW because they already had now. That's what I call music. Yep. And then WoW is like WoW Worship. Oh, Christians, goodness. man. All right. Moving forward to the other side of the tension, because where this pendulum has swung is many who have gone through a, this most recent deconstruction process are ending up deconverting from their faith. And there are a few things that can happen that leads to this. They take an honest look at the Bible and they find answers that make sense to them that leads them to believe that the Bible isn't trustworthy. Because if we're honest, there are scholarly questions about the Bible that don't have answers or they don't have great answers. And there are scholarly questions about the Bible that have answers that make sense in either direction if you want them to. I can argue both sides of many of these questions. It's a 2,000 to 6,000-year-old book that's been passed down first orally and then written down in primitive languages without a printing press and then translated and transcribed thousands of times over and over and over and over until we get to where we are today. So there are going to be questions about it. The other thing is it's been understood differently by every audience that listened to it. You know, I mean, like you dig into it and you go, what were the first pre- people that heard the uh, uh, creation story? Did, did they assume that was allegorical? Probably, maybe, you know, when you hear about David and Goliath being a, a huge giant, was that allegorical? Maybe, you know what I mean? Like these different groups might've heard it and understood it to be different than what we do here. 
because certainly they wouldn't have inserted, you know, America into uh, these <laughs> different stories. <laughs> so not only was it written and translated differently, but based on the context of the receiver, it would have been understood and yes. assumed differently as well. And we're actually doing an entire episode on that later this season that uh, I think if you like this show, you will like. I'm reading a book right now. I've been reading it for a while because I'm taking it slowly called Misreading Scripture with Individualistic Eyes, talking about the difference between our individualistic American culture versus the collectivist culture that the Bible was written to that is around the world, some of the things that we miss with that. So yeah, there are questions that are going to be hard to answer or that can be answered um, ambiguously where whichever answer you want to have happen or want to be true, you can claim to it and have a pretty good sense of like, yeah, okay, I, I feel comfortable believing that. And that has led some who, for many reasons, they don't want to be associated with Christianity anymore. That's led them to deconvert. The other side of this is that there are some who have experienced some type of hurt from Christians and they can't reconcile what the people who claim to represent God did to them and a God who is supposed to love them. And this can be legitimate abuse, whether it's sexual or spiritual or emotional abuse, or it can be just from Christians being jerks or anywhere on that spectrum. But ultimately what happens is people, they, they have taken a look at where mainstream evangelicalism has gone the last seven years and they can't reconcile those people with the faith they claimed and they end up walking away. Yeah. And I think in some cases it, it is, um, uh, and I don't want to make light of these words, but let's think of it this way. It's a traumatic experience. They've experienced some sort of emotional or physical, you know, sexual, whatever, um, trauma from the church. And the, uh, again, another, it feels like this is like a TikTok buzzword, but the trauma response is kind of what you said, where it's like, oh man, I need to completely reject everything that has to do with the source of the trauma. So I'm going to completely deconvert. Hey, and and Eric, let me interrupt you real quick. Let me interrupt yeah. you because the, that word trauma can be a dog whistle or mm. it can be something that makes people say, well, everybody's just so, they claim everything's trauma in, in today's culture because we now have a word for what a lot of us experience that we used to not have. Right. And the base definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So yeah. if you hear the word trauma, it's not some new thing. It's just a new word that we have a definition for in today's culture. Yeah. And it's so not some when Eric says Gen they experience Z a trauma thing. Yeah. They experience a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Yeah. Something that said, I don't like this. I mean, even let, let's, let's just, let's just make, let's, break it down uh you're going to eat something let's deconstruct way, it let's deconstruct the analogy yes thank you you're gonna you eat something and it's way too salty or it's supposed to be hot and it's cold or you know there, it's something you don't like and immediately or, or think about your kids when they put something in their mouth that they don't like and all of a sudden ugh, and, a, and your reaction is to spit it out i got one for the southerners let's hear it you think what you're gonna drink is sweet tea mm. and it is unsweetened tea yes or it's not sweet tea. It's just regular tea that's got sugar in it. Oh, man. My wife's kind of particular on that. She's like, do you guys have sweet tea? And they go, no, we have regular tea, but we can give you some sugar packets. She's like, no. 
So, or you anyway. think it's going to be Dr. Pepper and it's diet Dr. Pepper. Mm, not good. So your reaction, there's a reaction to that. Something happens where it's like, this isn't what I expected. This is not wanted. Uh, and so for some people, that reaction is to spit it out, is completely wholesale reject and decon- uh, deconvert. And I, I can't have anything to do with it. And that's their defense mechanism to protect them from the bad experience that they had. The other side, uh, which, you know, I'm not justifying that either one is right or wrong, but this is another way of protecting yourself, which is I need to know the truth, uh, you know, because a lot of a lot of people come to faith there. I would I would argue are manipulated to faith because of this idea of blessed assurance of like, I just want to know the truth. I want to hold on to the truth. So then when something negative happens in the church or when somebody represents it wrong, you know, it represents it to them in a way that they don't like. Now, all of a sudden, I have to be right and I have to know the truth means I'm going to wholesale reject it and I'm going to go from, uh, you know, deconstruction to atheism now and I'm going to be a hard and fast atheist because I can still, like we talked about on previous podcasts, I can still hold on to my sense of self-superiority, self-righteousness, my need to be assured in the truth. I'm just putting a different spin on it. Now, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God does not exist. The Bible is false. Uh, Christians are just praying to sky daddy, you know, whatever you hear from all these atheists on, uh, online, especially the former evangelical atheists. Those are the worst. Cause then it's like, they're using that same mentality that kept them safe and secure within, uh, faith within religion. And now they're using those same moves just on the other side. Okay. I want to take what you just said, and I'm going to give us a little bit of like housekeeping real quick. Because what you're saying transitions perfectly into how do we live in this tension between deconstruction and deconversion. And one of the things that we're going to get to, we've got four points here uh, of how we live in this tension. And one of the points, I just want to jump straight to it because it goes with what you're saying is we have to recognize that extremism is extremism. And we can easily go from the fundamentalism we grew up around from a religious perspective and turn it into a fundamentalism against Christianity. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things, if you're wanting to live in this tension between the two, if you want to deconstruct some of the stuff you grew up around, but you don't want to leave your faith is you have to decide if you're deconstructing the toxic environments you grew up around while Mm -hmm. trying to find Jesus, or are you trying to leave the people who hurt you and do are doing things that you disagree with? Yeah. And that's that's a question you have to ask because the answer to that question oftentimes will end up directing where you go on this pendulum. And let me throw out an analogy, okay? Because I think I think this is how it relates. Um, let's take religion out of it. You're a parent now. You're a parent, and now you, as you're going through the parenting process, you start to think through the things that you were just naturally going to do as a parent because that's what you grew up with. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then all of a sudden you hit a moment where you go, wait a minute. I don't have to do that as a parent. Why did my parents do that? And then you go, that was actually kind of hurtful to me. I don't know that I like that. I really actually, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to subject my kids to that. Here's your reaction. This is what we're talking about. If you're going to deconstruct while keeping Jesus, that would be like saying, I love my kids and I still want to be a parent, but I want to make sure that I'm deconstructing and taking away some of the bad or I, I don't know. I don't want to say bad because for some of you, you're not going to say your parents are bad, but like some of the things that like, yeah, the, your parents did that you choose not to do for whatever reason your parents did, but I don't need to do this as a parent. 
as a parent, I'm responsible to, uh, you know, look out for feed and clothe and, and, you know, all that take care of the basic needs for my kids, but I'm not responsible to make sure that, uh, that the idea of Santa Claus or, um, elf on a shelf exists for them, right. Or whatever else think about bad things too. So if you're going to deconstruct while keeping Jesus, that would be like saying, I still want to be a great parent. I love my kids. If you're going to deconstruct with the option of, of deconverting, for me, that would be like saying, oh man, all these things were terrible that as a parent, I don't want to be a parent anymore. Oh, I'm, I want to walk away from being a parent. That's a different conversation. And so that to me, that's, that helps me put it in the perspective of like, aha, do I want to still stay uh, connected to the core of what the issue is? Because the core of the issue is parenting. Do I want to parent um, the way that I was taught? Or do I want to parent in a way that makes sense for what's true and what's right um, and, and what the core beliefs are of parenting? And that's the same thing for religion. It's like, do I, can I still say, okay, yep, I believe and I have faith and I believe in Jesus. What are the things that, uh, that religiously I was taught or brought up with that I don't need to continue because they are not necessary for me or because they were specific to my parents or whatever else, those sorts of things. And I think most of us would agree that extremism is bad. That fundamentalism is bad. Well, most of us, that's, I think that's generous. I would think, I think the people listening to this podcast, most of them will agree that extremism is bad either direction. Okay. Okay. That, I'm with like, you. If you're listening to a podcast called tension about yeah. how to live life between the extremes, yeah. you will agree that extremism is bad. Or and so you're, there listen, is you're just a, hate listening to this. You're just in this and you're just like, I'm masochistically listening to this just so I could get really upset. That's the other option. And if that's you, this is coming out in early May. The newest season of Ted Lasso is almost done. Go catch up. You need some joy in your life. And we'll talk in a couple weeks when the show ends. And I think you'll be in a much better mood than you are today. So go do that. But extremism is bad. And, but you can, if, if extremism or fundamentalism has its roots in you, it is very easy to take that fundamentalism from Christianity and apply it to whatever the next thing is. Uh, you're all or nothing type of thing. So that's one of the tensions we have to, live. And one of the things we have to recognize another piece of this, as we move forward, we have to recognize there is a tension between acknowledging the abuse, the manipulation, the biases, the scholarly questions, all of those things and living in them. There is a tension between those two things. We have to acknowledge that the questions are there and we have to work through them, that those are good things. But we can't spend all of our time in those spaces. If we live in those spaces and in those questions all the time and not in the work of Jesus and who he is, there's no way you don't end up on that trail to deconversion if you're constantly staying in that world. And I'll give you an example. I recognize that we get a lot of our listeners from TikTok. And if you're listening to this and you're from TikTok, hey, thanks for listening, first off. But you may or may not have noticed that I haven't been on TikTok in your feed since our last season ended. And that's because I recognize the algorithm was feeding me things that weren't healthy for me. 
I was living in the negative side of deconstruction. That's all the algorithm was showing me. And it was keeping me from living in the truth of who I know Jesus is. And so I'm not saying that we ignore all the issues that modern American evangelicalism has. But what I am saying is we can't live in the disaster porn that has come out of that. Like you can't, your whole personality can't be the rise and fall of Mars Hill or your number one website can't be the Roy's report. Those are great things. And I think they are needed, but we can't spend the majority of our time in them. It's also bold of you to assume that TikTok is still around at the point that this releases. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on this is that, uh, yeah, you have to figure out what do you actually want to deconstruct? Cause when you're going through this process, um, this is probably going to seem harsh for some of you, but I think it needs to be said is, uh, you know, some of you are holding on to and caring more about your extremism and your need to be right um, than your your need to actually know what's right for you. You know, so like in the deconstruction process, if your highest value and most of you would never say it, but if your highest value is I need to I need to be a part of an extreme tribe, which is, I think, where this algorithm conversation goes is like the only thing you're seeing is the rise and fall of Mars Hill and then the, uh, whatever the Jerry Falwell junior document, the Liberty documentary was like, if your only side is the most extreme deconvert to D de or deconstruct to deconvert language. And that's who you're following. It's like, are you really, is your highest value really trying to figure out the best path for you going forward? Or is your highest value, you know, closed fisted holding on to an extremist group to be able to be a part of a tribe? that can look at someone else and say, no, you suck and you're wrong. And I'm right. Well, here's the other thing we know from a psycho psychology standpoint, it takes 10 good things, experiencing 10 good things to make up for one bad thing. So if we are living in that quote unquote disaster porn of all of the things that are wrong with the American church, which I am glad they have been exposed. I am glad the SBC stuff is getting exposed more and more. And I, I, along with Rick Warren, apparently, I hope the people who did those things can be brought to justice. And if there's indictments that need to be had, they, they should be indicted and face charges. I am 100% in agreement with those things being brought into light. But the algorithm, once it sees you interact with one bad thing, it's going to continue showing you those bad things because it thinks you want that. And where we know from a brain standpoint, brain chemistry thing, you have to have 10 good things to make up for those that one bad thing. So if you are living in the bad, there's no way you don't end up on the deconversion side. And just like if someone, like, I'll give you an example. I have a friend who has taken a job that is hard. They thought it would be good but it's been harder than they've expected. And so they have vented to me. I have a very negative view of their boss right now because I have only heard the negative things about the boss. That boss might be a great mom, a great wife, a great friend, all those things, but I haven't heard those things. So my opinion of them 
is naturally jaded against them because I've only heard the criticism against them. So if you only hear the criticisms against the followers of Jesus without actually spending time with who he is as a person, then there's no way you continue following him. Yeah, it, you you just played out what a what a real life algorithm looks like. You are selected certain information that was delivered to you that was inherently biased, which is you know for many of us, which is why like uh, in your case TikTok, it was you, you took a much needed break from the things of TikTok. For me, like I can't get on, I can't spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, which seems really silly because like most of the people that I work with, my target audience is on LinkedIn, but I cannot. I, I, like it does not do good things for my brain to read posts from people on LinkedIn. And it just, it just screws with me and I get a very negative feeling and it makes me very negative towards the things that I know I need to do in the same way as like, you know, a lot of people have had really good, uh, good advice around marriages on, Hey, if you're going through marital troubles or if you have an issue, like you need to be very careful who you're, who you're talking to about some of the problems you have with your spouse. You know, one, one, guideline i heard is like never discuss um you know never discuss your marital problems with non-married people or with divorced people because they would have an inherent bias in giving you advice back and it's like oh all right so like the idea is are you sourcing from the type of people that are for you and for the thing that you are for and so if if you're starting the deconstruction process because you you know experience something negative like we talked about and now you're going to hear from only atheists will say that's that's not going to be inherently healthy for you or even just only people who have a negative view of jesus in the church right yeah yep yeah so i i think you have to be you have it takes emotional maturity to be able to step in and say like like there is a dopamine hit when someone else agrees with you and so if i'm if i'm upset like again if i'm going to come to jonathan i say jonathan i'm upset about this thing and i tell him about a bad situation that happened and if he said, and, and if he, in a rational mindset said, man, that, that does sound tough, but like, uh, did, did you maybe think that maybe you were being a jerk in this case? I'm going to be like, yeah, you know what? F you, Jonathan, like, I don't want to hear that as much as I need to hear that. I don't want to hear that because I want to be upset and I want people, my, my deep, my deep seated feel, all of ours is we want to be validated in the feeling that we have. And we don't want to see an opposing or even a rational even-sided tension gray area approach to it but it takes emotional maturity to take a deep breath to you know pull up your your adult pants to put on your shoes and to go like okay i'm gonna walk into this area where it's like okay maybe i need to hear just like we talked about in, in last season maybe i need to hear some of these things i'm like okay where do i have it wrong what do i need and, you know if, if you go to therapy especially if you're in like relationship therapy it's like one of the principles is what do I need to own in this situation before you can think about talking about the other side? What is it that I need to own? And as soon as I can acknowledge and admit that, that's going to have a much healthier view moving forward into what the quote unquote other side should own. So in, in your religious deconstruction, it's like, okay, in some cases I had to go like, where have I benefited from some of these dangerous things? You know? Because the the power that's inherent in the leadership of a white male and evangelical church, did I benefit from those things? Yes. And now I'm upset from now I'm upset by it. Oof. Okay. And until I do the hard work of going like, yep, okay, I was part of conversations where uh, where we made decisions that maybe weren't in line with what 
what what I believe Jesus would have wanted. Okay, I need to own that first before I can start stepping into being upset by it or upset by what the church said. I don't know. Maybe I'm off on that. No, I don't think so. And I think it actually leads us to where I wanted to go next. Because if we're not going to live in that negative space all the time, we we have to go to the actual source for yourself. You can't just be living off of the experiences of other people. And one of the biggest issues our society has in general is most of us rely on secondary sources for most of our answers. I'll give you an example. We don't watch straight up news anymore. We watch news commentary to find out what happens in the news. We read highlights and, or we watch highlights and read recaps to find out what happened in the news and the sports. We don't watch the actual games anymore. We watch the highlights. We listen to other opinions in order to form our own. We don't actually go to the source for those things. That's how your extremist news media on both sides have gotten so popular because it is opinion-based things as opposed to fact and direct source things. So having secondary sources can help you get a better understanding of a thing, and that's good but you need to consume the actual unbiased source for yourself. And if we put that in this conversation, you need to be spending time in your Bible on your own, not just relying on your pastor or your deconstruction influencer or your evangelical influencer either. You need to be reading it to find out what it says for yourself. There's so many people who grew up in the church who never read the book for themselves. That's why the joke is that more atheists know the Bible than Christians. You have to actually go to the Bible. You have to spend time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit interacting with them and not just podcast detailing stories of people who use Christianity for personal gain. And here's the thing. I love that you're listening to the show. I love that you're watching a clip from it on YouTube or on TikTok or wherever the next thing is once TikTok is banned. But if your primary discipleship form is from two dudes you've never met on the internet, that ain't healthy. The other aspect of what you're talking about on our secondary sources, if we're being honest, is not only do we like secondary sources uh, because it's quick, it's easy, you get the summary, but many of us, I mean, I don't want to assume it's you, but I know it's me. I will seek out and I will accept a secondary source that validates my previously held belief. Even if there are secondary sources that have different opinions than me. Yes. So, I mean, like, I will go out, and it's like, I'm not, I, I will find a secondary source on a topic that I care about, and it's like, I'll search through, and if it's like, they don't agree, they don't agree, they don't agree, it's like, rejected, 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 now somebody that agrees with my opinion, that's who I'm going to read, that's who I'm going to listen to, that's who I'm going to quote, I'm going to ignore the other sides. I mean, obviously, that's being a little bit hyperbolic on that and extreme, but that's the other part of the secondary source issue is the problem is you're going to look at things that validate what you want to be true because you say, oh, there, you know, there, there's someone else out there that has a perspective that agrees with me. And just like you said, until you actually like, okay, let me read the original for myself and then approach secondary sources. Because of course, am I 
Am I a biblical scholar that knows all of the intricacies of, uh, you know, first century uh, Hebrew, Greek, or Aramaic? No. So do, should I uh, take, the, take the, you know, input advice of people that are? Yes. I have a degree from a seminary, and I am still not smart enough to figure this stuff out on my own. I have years of experience and I still need secondary sources. I need people to help me understand who know better than me, but I cannot rely on those people first. I have to go and spend time with the Holy spirit through the words of the Bible. I have to read it for myself. I have to try to understand it first by myself and then go to people who I trust as opposed to taking the stories of other people and weighing that above anything else. Like I love some of the people on TikTok who explain the history of the Bible. Um, I wasn't sure I was going to go here or not, but I'll, I'll go here. Dan McClellan. Mm-hmm. He's brilliant, mm-hmm. but he has biases. And his word is not the end-all be-all for all things biblical scholarship. But have I learned from him? Absolutely. Has he said things that has uh, been different than other people who I've heard and trust? Yes, he has. And so there has to be this balance between secondary sources and the actual thing that we read because we're not going to know everything. And we're going to be able to find a secondary source to justify whatever we want to justify. And unfortunately in our society, that's what we've all started doing. But, and this leads to the last thing I wanted to talk about today. At some point, I, you, we have to decide if having faith is worth having faith because having faith in something is going to require faith in it. I know that sounds circular, but we're never going to have all the answers about anything. There are some things we can trust more than others, but if we're honest, there are always questions about everything. Some, a lot of people say point to science and say that science has no questions. And I love science. I trust, I trust our scientists. I, I am all about the scientific method, but the entire point of the scientific method is that we're always testing hypotheses hypotheses, and looking to see if our assumptions are right. And then as more data comes in, we continue to test and weigh it, and our understanding of the information can change as we learn more about it. That doesn't mean that the data or the actual facts changed, only how we understand it. In the same way, religion has questions. We're always going to look at religious texts and try to interpret them as accurately as we can. But as we mentioned earlier, we are living in a highly individualistic society trying to understand texts that were written to an ancient collectivist society and a culture that is completely different than ours. So it didn't have the internet that didn't have social media that didn't have like electricity, you know, think of all the things that we have when that, that are, that completely change our context that had totally different views of certain things than we do. And that there are things that are, were left unsaid in the text because the, the recipient of the letter knew what was going on. 
that the letter was talking about because they were living it. We aren't the recipient of the letter. When Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he's not writing to North Carolina churches in 2023 for me. He wrote to a specific congregation who knew things that we don't know that. So he didn't feel the need to fill every single detail in. So at some point we have to decide if having questions that you can't answer can be overcome. And let me put it this way. Can I put it this way? Because this is what it is for me. Am I okay with not knowing and not knowing or not having the answer in something? Can I move forward in ambiguity? And I think that's where my deconstruction uh, journey has taken, taken me to the point where I have to say, I'm okay with not having the answers. Now, some people, you know, wouldn't consider that faith, but that's what I call it is like having faith means not knowing the answer, but still being able to walk forward in it. And so there are times where it's like, Hey, I don't, I don't know the answer right now, but I'm going to keep walking in this direction because I believe that this is the the direction I need to go. Yeah. I, I don't know some of the big questions in life and I don't know that I ever will know those, but what I'm going to have trust in and put my faith in is that Jesus is who he said he is and that he is good. And so while I don't understand so many of these other things, I'm going to put my faith in that. And that's going to allow me to still have the questions. And that's going to allow me to realize that like, even when people are complete jackholes, that that's not Jesus, who Jesus is. So I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not going to follow the American evangelical church. I'm not going to follow the religious leaders who profit off of me buying their books and coming to their conferences. I may still buy the book. I may still go to the conference, but they are not who I'm following. And while saying that, I do want to acknowledge that there is a type of person who struggles with that. You might need to, you might feel like you need every question answered before you can continue following Jesus. And if that's you, I don't want you to hear what I'm saying in a demeaning way because I know some people genuinely struggle with their faith because there are answers that they don't have questions to. Some have walked away from the church and some have, have chosen to continue following despite that struggle. But at some point, if you want to continue following Jesus, whatever you choose, whether it's following Jesus or whether it's walking away from your faith, that's, or your, your faith in him, that's going to require some type of faith in something. Yeah. And in some cases, um, people aren't going to believe this and they're going to push back against it. But like, uh, you believe what you believe is true because you have faith in your own intellect or ability to, to discern. So even if you're like, no, that's an observable fact, it's like, great, cool. But your interpretation of what that applies to your life and what that means is an exercise in faith in your own intellect and ability. And that's something you're going to have to decide on your own. I hope that you stay with Jesus. I hope that you're able to deconstruct the bad things of evangelicalism 
and continue following after God. I think that's the best. I believe that's the way. I understand those who have different views of that. I empathize with that. I disagree with that. So my hope, the whole reason we do this is so that we can tear away the things that are bad about our faith or that have been bad about the applications of our faith, but continue following Jesus together, even in the tensions that make it hard. Eric, you got anything else? That's it. I think the whole season is going to be about being comfortable living in the tension. And so when it comes to this topic, this is probably the the most important on, uh, you know, if there's nothing else I could tell you is being comfortable with not knowing all of the answers or being comfortable with walking into some of those things where I don't really have it all figured out, but I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to be open-minded enough to know that if new data and information comes out later that changes my mind, that I'm emotionally mature enough to make that adjustment without shame, regret, or causing me to stop and stumble right now. And if that's you, we're going to be with you the whole way, uh, hopefully being a secondary source that you can trust. If you want to reach out to us, Eric is at EricW712 on all the major platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corona on them as well. You can also email us at hello at tensionpodcast.com. Next week, we are going to be looking at the tension between what we know and what we do. The idea that knowledge is power versus our actions are what's most important. And in that conversation, we're going to talk about the missing link between those two things that the church rarely ever talks about. And to give you a little peek behind the curtain, we recorded that episode before this one. So I actually can already tell you that I'm really happy with where that conversation went. And I think you will enjoy it. If you want that in your feed next Monday morning, hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. If you like the show, do us a favor, rate us, review us wherever you get podcasts, subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. If you haven't already share this episode with a friend, if you found it interesting and as always, thanks for making us a part of your day. We'll talk to you again next week. See you.